Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. My name is Kelly, I am your podcast host and Modern Mystic Shop owner. So this is probably, without you know exaggeration, my 10th time trying to record this introduction. And every time I start, I get really emotional because one of today's presenters is just part of our family at Modern Mystic and um, I have a lot of you know, feelings and love for this person. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Morgan and Vanessa and this awesome Sunday School podcast we have in store. And then I'm going to have to just straight up read what the intro is. Because if I try to speak from the heart too much, I can't get through it. So I'm just going to focus and read and hopefully make it through like the 12th time is the charm. So like I was mentioning, Morgan Ashley, who is one of the presenters for this week's class, is the general manager of our shop at Modern Mystic, and um, she is just such a critical part of our team, and it has been such a blessing to get to know this person, and here we go. (laughs) Um, She just has such an ability to be true to herself and stand up for herself and her beliefs and for the people that she loves and the team that she's built at our store. And I just feel so honored that she spends her time and talents and that ferocity um, with our brand and sort of being um, a mama to Modern Mystic Shop and really treating my baby as her own. So I'm really so proud of Morgan and uh, so blessed to have her part of our team. And Morgan has done something incredible with her partner, Vanessa Vernon. They have launched and released a book. And I am holding the book here in my hands. And it's called Brown Bohemians, Honoring the Light and Magic of Our Creative Community. And here he goes again with like the feelings. Um, The book is just really beautiful and really touching. And it depicts and presents in such a raw and beautiful way uh, the journey and the beauty and the creativity of people of color. And it's just so incredible um, that this work is out in the world and that she and her partner Vanessa did it on their own terms. And they discuss a little bit about this in this class. So the class is called This is where I'm just going to read the thing so I don't keep on getting choked up, hopefully. Uh, Rituals, curating our stories, our images with Vanessa Vernon and Morgan Ashley. So in this class, Vanessa and Morgan Ashley discuss the importance of owning your narrative through words and imagery. Each of us offers a singular experience that weaves together our collective culture. Documenting your journey allows you to reflect share, and release your unique story to the world. Sharing can also assist you in finding a community of like-minded spirits. Come hear their rituals of patience and the process of taking back a narrative that is often falsely told. This class will inspire you to tell your life story that's ever-evolving. And then I'm going to read the bio about the presenters, because I gave you more of a personal count, but here is what um, we have to say. Best friends first and business partners second, Vanessa Cor Vernon and Morgan Ashley came together joining their separate creative ventures. Known as the Bohemian Brands, they create a culture of mindful living through innovative partnerships. Their most recent project is a 224-page coffee table book, Brown Bohemians. Brown Bohemians is storytelling through impactful imagery of black and brown creatives. The book captures the essence and stories of an otherwise underrepresented demographic. This book is about bringing a vital and virtual movement on social media into a tangible format. It is inspired by their individual lifestyles and showcases collectively what they have experienced as people of color. Originators of all things, yet given the least amount of credit, this book reclaims a very, very small piece of space that has always been rightfully theirs. So to the underrepresented, to the undervalued, sorry, to the creative spirit that needs to see 
This is for you. So without further ado, Rituals Curating Our Stories, Our Images with Vanessa Vernon and Morgan Ashley. I'm, I'm Nessa, by the way. I'm going to start really quick. I'm going through the motions. I'm in the midst of an allergic reaction. I'm not going to cry. So I'm just, it's going to be a little bit off, but I decided to show up because I know you guys are here and it means a lot. But yes, I have all the steroids. I kind of look a bit Shrekish. If I drool, don't judge me, but I'm going to do my best. So it's not going to be as freehand as I would want it to be, but we're here. You guys just give me grace. We'll be great. Thank you. Hi. Yes, um, so this is Rituals, curating our stories and our images. Um, it has been a journey, like years and years and years, and this morning and last night, um, and I'm just so full of gratitude, so I'm not gonna cry. Right, um, so this class really is for all of you. Um, we obviously put this book together over time, but it's really a way to help you all um, own your own narrative, uh, document your journey, and telling your own story and the importance of those things. So, uh, behind all of our brands, we are a mighty little company with a handful of us, um, but uh, I am Morgan Ashley. I do all of our PR, operations, um, all the behind the scenes things for our brands. Um, I, all the things that I think Nessa hates doing, really. Yes, um, so buying and uh, communication, all the things that like, you know, you go on behind the scenes. Um, we've been doing this since like 2016, I think. Yeah, that's what the IRS says. So we're gonna say since, yep, 2016. Um, so I'm Vanessa Corvern, and as I kind of introduced earlier, so I'm the creative curator for our brands. So my job is essentially how you feel, like how you resonate with the brand, the tone of the brand, the messaging that we portray, um, all the videos. So I make sure across our social and across the platforms in general that it has one cohesive feel. So I always love when people comment on like our branding or the way that we approach things where it's very effortless, it's easy, half my friends are in it, Des, everyone else has been models, but it's really this kind of ownership of our like wildest nature and owning that and showing up in those spaces. So part of that, like I said, is really making sure that across our separate brands that you still feel this unified energy. So Wendy is our graphic designer. Um, she has been with us for a handful of years and been working on the book for the last maybe two years. She is not here today, but Wendy literally like saves our asses all the time. Um, so anytime Nessa has like a crazy idea and I'm like, nope, Wendy helps her like make it happen. Um, so we are so grateful for her and like all that she does for us. So all of the brands. So overall, our company is called The Bohemian Brand. So obviously all things Bohemian related. Uh, the first, um, let me backtrack here. So our sort of overall sense of those brands is to create a mindful living through partnerships. Each of our brands focuses on some form of self-care. So the first of those brands is Bohemian Eats. So I founded Bohemian Eats in 2015 actually as a food blog. Um, some of you may know it by Eat Here ATL. Um, it focused on really just restaurants in Atlanta. Um, with our brand, we are very like global. We travel a lot. And so I sort of morphed that into what you see now, which is Bohemian Eats. It focuses more on restaurant design and decor. Just really vibes. It was really difficult to write about all these like restaurants when I really didn't love the food, and it just became really about what I was getting paid to do and not what I loved. Um, so it's a much easier this way to focus on like the vibes of all the places that we visit around the world. Then we have Sook Bohemian. Um, Sook Bohemian is our lifestyle and apparel brand. So we partner with local and global artisans to bring you all like home goods, accessories, apparel furniture, really a little bit of everything. Um, so that is an online website that we both curate together. And Brown Bohemians, our book and why you all are here. So our book is a 224 page coffee table book featuring 53 black and brown creatives from all across the globe. So we have Brooklyn to Dubai to Oakland, to Barbados, London, yeah, literally like almost every part of the world we have features from. 
Um, so it is a way for us to really like show a different narrative of what it means to be a Bohemian. So patience through the process. We, this process started about four years ago. And so it initially was an Instagram page just to highlight the creative community because right now, socially, we're really able to tell stronger stories with our images. We don't have to go through any red tape. We don't have to get permission. We don't, you don't have to, you know, we literally can put out what we want to. And so that's the original kind of concept behind Brown Bohemians was the ownership of our narrative, our images, our stories. So from there, we also realized we don't own Instagram. We don't own anything. So we, and we want it to be something that's a part of kind of legacy work. Like this should be something that you can hold in your hands, you can carry around, that people can visibly see. So that particularly the younger generation too coming up recognizes like they have a tribe, they have a community of us that are still striving and thriving in these spaces. So step one was really kind of recognizing that I wanted it to be a book, but wasn't sure if we could self-publish. So we looked into self-publishing and then realized that, sorry, the medicine is like kicking in, realized that self-publishing would be $300 a book because it is 300 pages full of color. And so we really spent the first kind of piece of it putting together the elements. How are we telling these stories? Who are the people we're reaching out to? And that's where I also say building strong community is important because we were really able to connect with people at every piece of, the, of every corner of the globe really and say, hey, like, do you trust us with your stories? Do you trust us with your photos so that we can kind of create this larger perspective of what it is? So after year one and realizing that we cannot self-publish, we went into year two um, figuring out how do you get publishing. So then we went into a literary agent. Closer. We went into um, how do you get a literary agent and what is a literary agent and how does that work? So in our minds we thought, oh, you kind of send it out to publishing houses and possibly you know, get something back, but they were like, no, you need an agent. Someone has to rep your project. So the first few pages that we created, we, is this good? The first few pages that we created, we sent to her and she said, this is a great start but it literally is not it. She was like, a literary proposal is essentially a, book propo a, a business plan for your book. So you need to have marketing, you need to have why you guys are the best people to represent this project, why this project is needed, where this project is gonna live, how you're gonna market it, who is it gonna go towards. So that in and of itself took about nine months worth of time just putting together the literary proposal. So then we go into year three. So year three was a publisher pitch and contracts. So once our literary kit was done, it started at three pages, ended at about maybe 40. When it was finally sent off, we got a lot of really nice no's. So we got a lot of people saying it's so beautiful, we love the vibe, but we're not sure where it fits in our, in our book space or our money spent for the, for the season or we really love what you're doing, but that's just not the direction we're in or a book that we would know how to market or produce. So we ended up getting um, a call back from Powerhouse Publishing because they tend to specialize in indie books and they were excited to take our project on. But we also had to spend the second half of the year, essentially nine months in contract negotiations because we wanted to have full creative control, which is not really how publishing works. So we were trying to explain to them the importance that these stories, these images cannot be edited by white people. It's not possible, it's not an option. So you don't know our language, you don't know our tone, you don't know our sass. So we can't hand this off to you and expect to receive something back. So that was nine months. So then going into, once they finally agreed on that, going into the fourth year, they said, you guys want to have all of it, you have all of it. So we had to do graphics, we had to do product the placement, we had to do story edits, we had to do photo releases, we had to get consent forms. And it was an overwhelming process, but that was the fourth year of it. And then obviously now we have a book. So one thing I do like to say in reference to the book is this, was a, this book is a community project. It would not have happened without all the relationships we had, all the relationships within our community to kind of bring it forward. So we don't look at it as our book, it's a community project for you guys and for us as well. Uh, it feels sort of necessary to mention all of the crazy things that sort of happened uh, because it is in my notes to make sure that I'm telling you all to be honest. Um, and so I feel like that makes it feel a little like clean and nice when they were like nights where we literally worked on this project until four o'clock in the morning and I was back at work at nine and then went to work on the book that night and then did it again. Like we went probably, I mean obviously years, but like working on the book itself, it probably was weeks 
just straight of like not sleeping, like not eating, just editing. And like, you think you're done. We had, how many times did we like celebrate? And then the publisher was like, nope. Yeah. So we're like, we're done. And they're like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so it just felt necessary to like go through that because we had so many ups and downs. And so I think because of social media and just like when people see us out in public, they're like, oh my God, a book, it's so cute. And I'm like, it almost killed us. Um, so yes, and I also want to note that, so Ness and I have been working together since 2016, right? Because the IRS says that. Um, but I have only been working on this book with her for maybe the last two years. Um, and so we literally just kind of had to get it together. She had a totally separate team. So although it fell, fell underneath our brand, she had a separate team. And so I literally just was supporting the book initially as like her business partner on the other side and as a friend. And so because of transitions and relationships and the way that things worked, she like asked me for help and I showed up. And so she literally like, I was just editing one night just to like help out and thought that was gonna be it. And was like, girl, the book's cute, good luck. And then one night turned into, yep, yeah, mm -hmm, yep. Um, and yeah, so it is now just like her and I and then like our group of friends and obviously, you know, her sister who does so much work for us and Wendy and just like all of our friends and family, but the other two people who were part of the book are no longer. Um, and that, I sort of describe this process like a relationship. So you like have great intention to like marry this guy or whoever or whatever, and then the shit falls apart. Um, and you just have to keep rolling because for me, like this book was bigger than like me, bigger than her. So we had to do it. And so I just was like, it doesn't matter the money, whoever's name is on it. We have to get it out here because it is for y'all. Um, so I just needed to let you know about all of the craziness that sort of happened there. Um, yeah, it's just, it was bigger than us. And so we'd had to do whatever we had to do um, to sacrifice and get it out to the public. Um, so as we sort of talk about uh, the idea behind this book and the community that it brought to us. Um, one of the people that we so, so need to mention um, is Rachel Cargill. I don't know if you all know who Rachel Cargill is. Rachel Cargill is, I'm in awe of her. She is a scholar, a lecturer, an activist. Um, if you follow her on Instagram, you know that she is just the best. Um, so we had the pleasure of having Rachel write the foreword to our book. And that was like, I mean... I can't even put into words the excitement that that presented for us and like how big of a deal that was because we both admire her so much. Um, and so I wanted to read just a really quick snippet for you all of what she wrote in the, the um, forward of the book. If you have the book, I definitely want you to read the entire thing because her words brought me to tears. So from Rachel, Brown Bohemians is a distinct flooding of lights where the color of our skin is overshadowed. It is pride open a space of resilience and representation that is so needed when the mainstream ignores who we are and how we exist as a people of color. I just, she is, I still open the book to that forward and I'm like, holy shit, we got Rachel Cargo to write the forward. It's just, I'm in awe of her. And so we are so grateful that she lended her words to this beautiful project. So we go into the definition of the word bohemian, which definitions for me can be loose. So with bohemian, I know it started around 19th century, um, and it, was, it referred to a lot of people that had alternative lifestyles, writers, artists, low income, moved around a lot, vagabonds. And so we have always felt and have always known that black people are creators. We are the creators of everything, and we are, we are we need to own this space as well. And so that when you look up the word bohemian, which in essence is like this free-spirited, creative person, it's not always like a white girl in the daisies running through someone's forest. That we exist in these spaces and our creative energy needs to be recognized more often. So we can go to the next. Thank you. So defined by us, this is kind of the realm of which we, we look at it. A free-thinking artistic individual, a person dedicated to connection through various forms of creative expression and outlets, one who is in pursuit of beauty, truth, and love in a world and within themselves, a being that honors their magic and their own light. A bohemian spirit isn't confined to one standard. We are here to show that bohemians come in different shades and styles. It is not about what you wear, but it's about your spirit. So we really tried to stay clear of the idea of what it looks like. So when you go through the book, you'll notice everyone doesn't look the same. Aesthetics, visual representation. We wanted to make sure it's the creative energy that we portray and not this idea that we all look and show up in the world the same way. So we're hoping that everyone can see themselves in some version of someone that's in the book. Also, on another note, go back real quick. This was the original cover. 
So we actually, uh, for the book, we actually did two shoots in the same weekend. Our literary, our publisher um, wanted us to shoot in-house, which was in Brooklyn, or use a photo from the book. And we were adamant to not do that. These fo this photo needed to be, yeah, it was a big fight. It was a, it was a thing. So we literally had a weekend of sorts to kind of create what the cover would be. So our friend, our love Cam, which I don't know if she's in here yet, she'll be here later. She actually shot for us twice and Spencer, by the good graces of God, was the one who also was the photographer. So this was the first kind of concept and the way it went. And we wanted it to feel, it's almost like black Mona Lisa. It's very striking. Cam has a very strong presence and we wanted that eye contact to be real. Like, you know what's up, we know what's up type of energy. And so we shot this one, got home. I felt like it was beautiful, but it didn't resonate with every, like the book in its entirety. So then I thought about it again. We had many trips to the world markets, the Costco's, the, the every targets of the world to recreate something else that felt a little more rooted in what the project was. So this is a bit more aspirational. So if you look at the cover, that's actually upstairs in my bedroom. And it's actually a rug we nailed to the wall and we had music going, put the jewelry back on, created a vibe, and literally, she could be in the Sook somewhere in Morocco, she could be anywhere in the world, because really, it was about us creating what the vibe was, but that's community. And I think I like to mention it because these things happen, because we have people that show up and take phone calls at 3 a.m. and you know have us, she's literally wearing a suit wrapped around her head that looks like a scarf, because originally she was wearing it. So it's just the idea that no matter what, conceptualize and push through it, and that's a part of why I'm still here drooling on myself, but it's a, it's, a, it's a reason why I just wanted you guys to know kind of the backstory with the cover, because like I said, that was just upstairs in our bedroom, very, three days after we shot this one. But how do you guys, this one, or, I mean, is there vibe-wise? They're both, yeah. Hi. So, we have given you all a sort of baseline story about our brands. And so why we're all here is to really workshop and to help you tell your own story. So we sort of listed out a few steps that we want to give you all to help uh, really tell your own story. So for us, step one is authenticity. This is so important and this is why I wanted to really give you sort of some backstory about what we had going on with all of the like hecticness and the mess and the love and all the things that we experienced in the last four years of this project. So it is so, so important. And one of the things that we want to make sure to like make clear, especially with social media, people put their like highs right out there. So if you ask your friend, like her life looks so great on Instagram and social media, but we know there's so many lows, especially when working on a project for four years. And so being honest when telling your story is the most important thing I think that you need to do when thinking about putting yourself out there. People really wanna know, it helps people like understand what you're going through, helps to like not tell this story that everything is perfect and good. Um, so being authentic is the most important part of that. Um, I think using that to be able to like piece together your story is so, so important. But that word honesty is what just kept coming up for me and I just wanted to really, really push that because it is just the most important thing when starting. Hi, it's me again. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Sunday School and Modern Mystic Shop. I wanted to pop in and say, if you like what you're hearing, especially if you love what you're hearing and you listen to our podcast week after week and you gain anything positive from it, I would really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with anyone that you think we can help and serve through these messages. It is our goal in 2020 to grow this podcast to have a further reaching audience. And the way that we've grown our business in the past has been through word of mouth through people like you. So I'm just reaching out and asking if you have anyone that would benefit from these episodes, please, please share our podcast with those that are near and dear to you so we can help grow our global community community and we can grow and learn and transform together. Thank you so much for listening. And now back with our episode. So when we go from authenticity, we'll go into deep dive, which by the way, all these photos are from the book. Um, this is our love Pia. So when we go into deep dive, when we first reached out to everyone, we wanted to make sure that we weren't telling their story, that they were telling us their story. So in order to do that, we made sure that we put together a series of maybe over 60 different questions, depending on what creative energy space you were in. And then we had, the, we had you answer it. And so instead of doing like these hard edits or cuts, we literally just 
other than grammar per se, and even then, some you know sometimes we kind of left it if it's what it was, but we really wanted it to be from their words onto the paper, and we wanted very little to do with how we're telling their story. So that's a big part of why I said in the beginning contractually why we fought hard because we wanted to make sure that we didn't edit, edit out or cut the parts that maybe someone else viewed wasn't necessary or someone else viewed wasn't to be important. So we, we wrote down about 10 questions, which afterwards we can kind of see if you guys want to see the full scope of questions um, that we sent out to everyone. Because as you're curating and doing your story, it can be difficult to figure out where to start. So if you have a list of questions that kind of pull some critical thinking from you, it'll help you kind of keep pace and understand where it is you're trying to go. So some of the questions were, how do you practice self-love? What does freedom look like to you? Do you currently feel free? What are some of the hardships you've had to overcome on this journey? How would you describe your personal creativity? Can you tell us about your process toward creating your own unique identity? What inspires you on a day-to-day -day basis? What is the motivating force behind what you create? What does vulnerability mean to you? What does it mean to be brown and spiritual today? What is your personal message and or story that you would want to share with other Bohemians? What advice would you want to give to self or would you want reflected back to self? How do, you, how do you identify as a creative? How do you describe your creative process? How do you identify yourself ethnically? What are some challenges you face being comfortable accepting your ethnic racial identity, if applicable? How do you identify overall and how has it evolved? So we literally, like I said, we had about 60 or so questions that we sent out, but it was just a great way to kind of scratch the surface. And then as we sent them out, they kind of were able to build upon some of these questions and create more of their story. So documentation, this is obviously super, super important. This can be done in a million different ways, especially now. Um, for us, right, it was like getting things on paper so we can form this into a book, moving it from social media to paper. Um, but for y'all, it could be a million different things. The first thing that came to mind for me and something that is so important, especially at Modern Mystic, is journaling. That can be so therapeutic. Um, for me, it is sort of like a bit of a religion to write things down. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to share that with anyone, but I think writing things down versus like putting it all on somewhere digitally is super, super important. It really helps you get your words out. It could be through video, whether that is through a camera, even just your phone. Then obviously, of course, social media. So we all document things obviously on Instagram or Pinterest or Facebook, and that's awesome, right? We know MySpace and those things live on forever, so you can always go back and find it. Um, but of course, there is photography, and so again, either with your phone or just like an old school camera or collecting photography from like your grandparents or friends, any old photos that you can get your hands on. Um, but documentation, I think, is super, super important. And what you do with it, obviously, is at a later date is your choice, um, but we wanted to make sure that we sort of talked about that, especially when thinking about getting it onto a global scale. So whether it's a book or you want that to become a video or something on a larger scale, it's very important. So we'll go into the curating part of it. So now that you've kind of answered all these questions, you maybe have gathered photos, done videos, how do you piece it together? So for us with the book, we literally printed everything out and laid everything out. And we kind of let it take its natural form. So we let it kind of show us the direction it was going to go in. And so we feel like even with curating your own story, whether, again, we talked about sharing it or not, see where maybe there's a beginning part that you're leaning heavy into, maybe see where there's a middle, maybe see where there's an end. And along that way, like I said, gather photos, create videos, talk to friends, talk to family, so you can kind of create that story. But be clear maybe about what message you're wanting to convey and what you're wanting it to show, how you're wanting it to show up. So we are big advocates for, like I said, documentation. It's so important. So whether you are going to share it with everyone or not, just make sure you have that because we want to hold on to the traditions and rituals of our community and be able to pass them down in some way. So like I said, whether it stays in your family or whether it's for you or you want to share it with the world, just kind of make sure you document this process. This is our journey, our one journey, maybe several journeys, but just make sure that you have something where you can reflect back on and see where you started and where you're going. 
so sharing. This is one of the ones that we struggled with a lot when we were talking about it, even yesterday, um, right? Because for us, it was sharing this book with you all. But I wanted to make sure that it's clear that sharing can literally just be for self. Um, so whether you collect those photos and keep them and share them just with your family, it's not, you have no desire to put this on social media or to make a film of it. I think just sharing it is also just a great way, even if you keep it between your friends and family, is to really like, heal if that is necessary to like build creating community was something that was super important for us so when we were sharing whether it was the questions and the moving to other parts of this book we received so much i cannot even tell you so just it was like learning for us it was like the sharing learning about just other people's families and traditions and other cultures and languages it was so so important so it created a community and spaces that we weren't even like knowing was there so that can be done obviously in so, so many ways, but I just wanted to like, because preservation is something that like just kept coming up for us. And so preserving that work that you've now created and then giving it out to whoever is necessarily needs it is one of the things that like, it's been so wonderful to be able to like hand off this book to folks, whether it is like a customer who's buying it in a store or like the publishers or our family. Like I just think having something that you can share to create community around is really, really important for us. So now we'll kind of go into the Q&A. Um, I just want to say thank you guys again for kind of your patience through this. I don't know if my face swelling has gone down, if I look any different. I was going to put lipstick on, but they said no. So, um, I, but we just want to share in the space with you guys, share in the love. Any questions you have, ask us. Like I said, we're here for you. This is a safe space for everyone, and we want you guys to feel heard and seen, and a part of sharing creates healing. So when you don't feel like you're alone in it or you don't feel like you can rely on someone or you're unsure that there's anyone else that's gone through what you've gone through, I'm not good with vulnerability. This, for me, is vulnerable. Like, when I don't have it together, if, I don't, if I'm not feeling right, coming from the hospital a few hours ago, like, this is uncomfortable for me. But if I'm asking everyone to be vulnerable, I, too, have to show up and be that. So with that being said, you guys can ask us any questions that you want, and then, of course, we'll be here after two for the signing. So... If anyone has any questions, I guess, do we, do we pass the mic? Okay. Not all at once. So this is a question that I am constantly thinking of with anybody who does any kind of writing or sharing. And that's, if part of your story involves um, revealing or, or, or telling a part of your story involves other people and that they might not be shown in their best light. How do you decide whether their privacy or their thoughts on what you're sharing is important? I, I remember hearing one writer said that if he ever writes about anybody else, he shows it to the other person pers first because he doesn't want them to read it. He, he's like a famous writer. So like, published in some magazine for the first time and then not be happy about it. Um, I, so I don't know, I'm always curious about that because I think that's one thing that's held me back from writing about things is I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Um, so I'm just start by saying that that's why we sort of asked those questions and we did so very little editing, if any, um, so that way when someone read it, it wouldn't feel like a totally different response, if that makes sense. Um, but we also, I don't think we let any of the features read what we compiled, right? So it was, yeah, whatever was going to be in, on paper was on paper. But that's why it was important for her and I to make sure that we did very little edits. And I think harboring that energy of what, how someone else might feel, what they may do, that's drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die in that sense. I hope I got that quote right. But you, if it's your truth, it's your truth. And I feel like you're spending more time maybe, and I understand why, right, on how they're going to feel, how they're going to perceive it. And I can definitely understand if you want to say, hey, whoever, you know, I, this is the story that I'm planning to tell. This is my truth in this situation. I want to let you know ahead of time. But don't in any way not allow yourself to release that. You need to release it, let it go. You need to put it on paper. You need to speak it to them. Whatever you need to do for yourself. But it, in the moment, right, it's, we're so easy where we don't want to hurt your feelings. We don't want to do this. I think there's a way to do everything with tact. But the truth is the truth. 
Do you know what I mean? And like maybe for that person and even for yourself, it'll allow he actual healing to happen. Because I think a lot of times it's like band-aids, you know, we put it over things and then we're like gushing blood and we cannot figure out why. It's like we have to really address the wound and not be fearful of what implications can come after. But standing in it, being solid in what your truth is, that's the most important thing. And the secondary part, right, is your delivery or who you're telling it to, but don't modify that. Like really show up as yourself, show up and say, this is what happened, this is my truth, this is what I'm planning to do with it, and own that space. It's a, it's a journey to get there, but once you do, girl, you be telling everyone the truth. I'm telling you, you get to a different place where that's not your first thought. Your first thought is healing for yourself because your healing for yourself could also open up a door for that person to heal. It will pass. So I was wondering what, what limiting beliefs or if there were any limiting beliefs that you may have had while in your process of creating this beautiful work of art, what things did you have to you know, lean into or push through to really, that shook you to your core? Like what was that one thing or a few things, you know? Um, I'm gonna start by saying that like fear is such a liar. So I didn't have any she asked, right, we know that she asked something of me and asked for help, and I just went with it. So, I don't know, yeah, I didn't, I don't think I'm, like, trying to backtrack for four years, um, but no, I didn't have any, like, this, again, is bigger than her and I, and so I just knew we had to get the shit done. So, no, I had no fears. Across the street, hello, yes, fear, yes, thank you. Um, I was, from day one, to be honest, because it was, Am I worthy to do this? Who am I to take on such a task? Who am I to think I can have a published book? Who am I to want to publish a book? So I think naturally you go through all of the questions because even when we were so excited to create the book initially, the responses we got back from other uh, publishing houses, although like I said, they were really, really nice, it was almost like, great, oh my God, we love it, but no, it's like this is not what we do. Our stuff looks like this. These are the people that we have in books. This is the people we publish. You guys aren't quite that. So it was a lot to kind of work through. And I think in the process over the years, and even up until literally it's showing up at our house, I had doubts that is it going to happen because we went through, like I said, changes in the structure, who was involved. Is it even going to make it? Are we going to get these photo release forms signed? Are we going to get, you know, all, there were so many things, these proofings, all this stuff. So I think what really shifted for me was focusing on the bigger picture, which was the community. And this isn't about me. So if I'm operating it from a place of it being about me, I would have stopped year one. But of knowing that this work can not only heal myself, heal our community, have us show up in spaces we should have always been, was the biggest importance. And so when you operate from that space, you kind of think less about yourself and more about the work. So it puts some of the fear aside, and it's like, sis, you gotta show up because other women have showed up for you. The fact that we now can, right, have access to people that back in the, you know, you couldn't have access to before or have these kind of ties, we need to show up for the people that showed up for us in spaces and rooms where they weren't comfortable or where they were fearful of stuff. So it's our job now to push it forward because if we literally don't do it, brown and black people, it's not going to happen. Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden, someone else is not gonna decide, hey, I'd love to have 53 brown and black people you know what I mean? From all over the world in these spaces, like we have to demand it and we have to show up for it. So absolutely fearful, 100%. It's a natural thing, but it's also knowing what to do with it while working through it, for sure. So we can pass. Sorry, sweets. Uh, my question, first of all, is beautiful. Uh, what I've seen so far, I can't wait to dig into the social media and the book, I'm already thinking about who I can give it to as gifts. There are two people in my mind right now. Um, I wanted to ask you a question which was interesting. Uh, when you were talking about your questions, one was about ethnicity. And I think for black people, we deal with a lot of socialization. Um, so it's interesting that some of my favorites were like, uh, I would put like Lisa Bonet, um, Cree Summer, Native American, or mixed. I was wondering, did you find that people who are of um, mixed race have a tendency to move towards bohemian uh, culture? Did you see any correlations uh, between racial makeup um, and freedom? Yeah.
I wouldn't necessarily say initially we saw a strong relation. I think that I would say that people maybe that viewed themselves as black or African-American had to maybe process if they felt they were bohemian. I will say be, that part I think we did realize, right? So racially ambiguous or, you know, lighter skin. There were certain things where it felt like the move into that space did feel easier and felt more accepted maybe for themselves and maybe outwardly. But I felt like we got a lot of like questions from, from you know, like, other, you know, browner skinned women or darker skinned women who had to second guess if that's the space that they should be in. And I think it's a part of just the images that have gone around for so long. It looks a certain way, it always has. And so that's why we were so adamant on the challenges within this book. It's not even challenges, it's a part of what the work we had to do in the sense of when we laid everything out, right? We were like, can't be too many light skinned women next to each other, can't be too many brown skinned, can't be this, can't be that, because we didn't want anyone to be going through it and feel like, oh wow, it's just it's the same old, same old. Here we are, you know, this is in the back or this is in the front or that's who you lead with. So we really had the challenges where we had to step back and say, okay, for our community, how are we laying this out? How are we showing you that there's so many tones, so many places that we are and where we're, where we're at, where we didn't feel like we were leaning heavily towards one way to continue to push that particular type of narrative. So that's why, like I said, when you really go through the book and you see how everyone looks and how everyone shows up, you're not visually focused on the way they look. Of course, everyone in the book is phenomenal and beautiful, but you're really focused on the work that they're doing and seeing yourself in it so that you can show up in that way too. And I will also say, one of the big things we fought really hard for with publishing was um, I wanted to do passport stamps because I wanted to be clear this diaspora is, we're everywhere. So, and that was something that they didn't feel was necessary. And, well, oh, passport stamps. So in the, in the book, you'll see that there, before each feature, we have coordinates. That was the compromise. But um, initially, I wanted passport stamps, and they didn't feel it was necessary. And I was like, again, you're, show, you're coming from the space, from a different space. We need to see where we are. We need to know where we are. We need to understand that when you see the story of my wife from London and her journey here, what, when you're reading her story, will make sense. She's, you know, Jamaican, and so her upbringing, there will be things in there that have cues to how she was raised. There will be cues for how someone coming from India, someone coming from all these different locations. So the compromise of sorts was the coordinates, because I said it's important for us to see this and know that we're everywhere. We're not just here, we're not just in specific places, we are everywhere. So that was really important too. So I don't have a question, but I do have a comment that really goes along with what you just stated as far as how you decided to organize who goes where in the book. And literally, I got the book a few days ago, and the beautiful thing about that is like you don't know who's going to be on the next page. Like you don't know how, you don't know who how they're going to look. You don't know if it's going to be a man or a woman. You don't know if it's going to be a family. And that really like when you talk about page turning, that's literally what it is. And so not only is it um, you know, the imagery and being really excited to see who's on the next page, then you get the opportunity to learn more about that individual person. And then having the coordinates on there was just like, what? Like a, like a next level kind of thing, because you don't typically see that. Um, and I think that really does hit home as far as like, we are literally everywhere and we're impactful and we're a community and we're global. And because of technology, you know, you can just reach out. Like you can literally reach out to somebody anywhere in the world. So. I think the intention that you put into organizing the images and the stories and being very mindful of like not grouping this many people and that many people and just understanding um, your, your market and understanding who the book is for, that's really palpable when you turn each page. So that I just wanted to, to make that known, yeah. So as you were curating the book, I'm sure you had a little bit of an idea of each person and what they were going to bring to the table. And I'm curious if, as you got the responses back, if anyone was most surprising or most touching, like you had one sort of idea of what they might contribute and then you learned something else? Um, so it feels necessary to say, this is my boss, Kelly, who owns this beautiful space. Um, I just wanted to take a minute to show her the absolute gratitude because from the beginning, she has been so supportive. 
Um, my last job, I literally had to hide what I was doing. And so it has been so beautiful to like work in a space and have your boss be like, fuck yeah, you have a book? We're gonna sell it. And I was like, huh? It has been so wonderful to have her like cheer me on and like text me in the middle of the night. It's like literally sometimes when I literally want to give up or I was too tired to show up for work, receiving a message from you has been just like what I needed. So thank you. So to answer your question, um, do we have some favorites essentially or like things that we loved? Um, we get that I think sort of a lot and I always sort of go back and forth because I fall in love with like different features all the time. Um, I think just overall the diversity of the people who we like brought together. And to be honest, we had reached out to probably hundreds of people and some people were like, no, I can't like respond or like I only respond if you give me some money. Like we got so many different like people to sort of say different things. Um, but with the folks who are in the book now, I think just like learning things about my community that maybe I didn't know and like maybe also things that like resonated with someone who like grew up in um, India and like we speak different languages, look different, sound different, all those things and like reading their feature and realizing how much we have in common. Do you know what I mean? Like that for me was super beautiful and like those are my favorites of the people who I was like, oh, I like maybe know her. I've been following her on Instagram for years and like reading a story about this person and having it resonate with me so much. So I think overall just everything about that and the stories was my favorite. I also think that's there's this common thread kind of throughout everyone where you can find something that resonates with a part of your journey. I will say I consciously also didn't super deep dive into all the stories. So I didn't do so much of the editing intentionally because when you're working on something you have to do every facet of it, it, it can change what it's supposed to be. So I am kind of waiting to, I know the gist of all of it, but I wanted to kind of wait till I can digest it from a clear headspace, clear mental, so that I can really process what it was and me not go through and be like, oh yeah, I remember when I did that one. Oh yeah, I remember when I did that one. I wanna have fresh eyes because it was so taxing and I want to be able to appreciate what that actually is and what it's become. So we understand, right? Like we have Dang who's incredible, his journey from the Sudan, like during the Civil War, his family. Like it's some of the most beautiful images and there's, there's such strong stories throughout everyone, but like as soon as I was like getting into it, I like pulled back because like I said, I wanna be able to do it from this, from a clear headspace so that I'm not just like, oh yeah, I remember when you traveled from the Sudan, like, you know what I mean? Like I wanna be able to be like, wow, shit, you traveled from the Sudan to here and what that looked like and all of that. So in that sense, like I said, I think there's a thread that connects everyone, but I stayed a little bit away from like the super deep dives just so that I can kind of enjoy it as a spectator too. Um, we've been referring to this as um, Bohemian Brand's first book because we know there will be more. Um, I'm curious, what's one thing that you learned in the process that you will do differently next time? And what's one thing that you learned that you know you will never compromise? So many things different. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a list of like 79. Um, I think the first thing that comes up for me were like the photo releases. Uh, that was some of the like most difficult work. Um, and so essentially like, right, this has been a four year process. We would reach out to someone and be like, oh, you're really dope, like we wanna have you in the book. And they'd be like, great, awesome. So then four years later, we had to follow up and be like, great, remember those images you sent us? We need to know who photographed you, we need them to sign a release, and we need you to sign a release. And so a lot of times people are like, I don't know who that person is anymore, I don't speak to them. Uh, they're in a whole other country, 18 hours ahead. And so it was so much work to get those photos. And so I think moving forward in book two and all the other books, um, I think we'll just like do a better job of like following up and making sure we like stick to the script in a sense of like we ask of you on day one, then day one you sign that release and make sure we have everything. Um, so I think that was, we learned so much just about logistics and stuff that like no one could ever, literally no one can tell you this stuff. It's like having a kid or something. It's like, you don't know until you do it. And so the logistics I think for us is something I know I would edit when we were working at five o'clock in the morning. I was like, nope, not doing this again. Um, and then something we won't compromise on. Right, I think for me the, the not compromising is really standing our ground in, in regards to like holding our narrative. Like that was something I thought about and what was when I had to like, we're in the like craziness of like 
this book and like knowing that we have full creative control, I had to remind myself that we asked for that and it's so, so important. I have a touch of, what was the first question? Oh, yes. So, yes, everything, essentially. Um, organization, I would definitely say, from the beginning, is so important. But even being organized or having things together, there's nothing besides the work and the journey for what that took. So even if someone, because I actually spoke with um, Miriam, she has a book from Marrakesh. She's incredible. She's in Morocco. And she was like, just know that, you know, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a, a wild journey. And she was like, you just have to be present along the way. So, you know, she definitely was telling me, you know, this book is so necessary. We had all the support, but it was everything I was getting back was like, there's nothing to really tell you how this is going to go. And then not only is there nothing to tell you, we took another alternative route where we said we want to do all of it or we want to have the creative control of it. So the part I would say not to compromise is on what you know to be true. When I, when, we had my very, when I had my very first publishing call with Powerhouse, they wanted so many things different originally. And I remember like standing up, like advocating for certain things, standing up for certain stuff, saying, I don't want to just start adding symbols and pick like, this needs to be these certain things and this is why. And I remember getting off the call. I felt like it was a really strong and positive call, but I remember getting off the call and feeling like, shit, we don't have a publishing deal because they're going to feel like it's just too much. There's too many this, there's too many that. And I remember saying, if it doesn't happen, I was like initially mad at myself, like, oh my God, Ness, maybe you should have been like fine with throwing some other shit in there or doing this or doing that. And I realized like, no, if this book didn't happen for those reasons, it wasn't meant to happen with these people. But to compromise when we've already made tremendous amounts of compromise in so many other spaces was a disservice to the project and to ourselves. So it's like, you're on these calls, you're doing this work, and if this deal didn't happen, it just wasn't gonna happen. But you had to be true in what this project was supposed to be. And you couldn't, I, we couldn't compromise that. So I would definitely say in going into spaces or environments where you're going to have to, you know, advocate for your community, advocate for yourself, advocate for women, advocate for brown and blacks, you cannot question the work you're doing. You have to be so solid and rooted in it that you show up to these spaces and you don't allow for them to kind of question, question you back in that way. And so that's what I would definitely say the biggest thing was on this journey when we talked about fear as well, is like, I was fearful, like, shit is not gonna happen, I'm gonna let all these people down, they're gonna, they sent us all their stuff and now it's not happening, but at the end of the day, it needed to happen the way it happened or we were just showing up again, being a pawn or a tool in someone else's portrayal of us. So that is what I would say in any of the work that you're doing, don't compromise the root of the work for any reason. Of course, compromise in the sense of if there's something that's like, yes, we can do this versus that, but make sure that what it's rooted in, you really stand solid in. So it is about time to wrap up. Again, we are so grateful that you all showed up this morning for us. Um, thank you. That is like, just thank you for everything. And we're gonna stick around. We have our book signing starting at 12.30. So we're gonna like wrap up, we'll be outside. Des is gonna be DJing, we have tea coming. So please hang out with us. We're gonna be here until like 2.30. Thank you all. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.